This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous to your contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard. But now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Equity Minds! I will say this about investing. Everything you do learn is cumulative. What I learned at 20 is you Welcome to another episode of Equity Mates, a podcast that follows our journey of investing. Whether you're an absolute beginner or approaching Warren Buffett status, our aim is to help break down your barriers from beginning to dividend. My name is Bryce, and as always, I'm joined by my equity buddy, Ren. How are you going? I'm very good, Bryce. I'm very excited for this episode. I I feel like we're really doing well in the podcast game when we are able to get guests on that we've admired for a long time, names that we... We're familiar with when we were starting to invest, um, and we've got a we've got a big name in the Australian finance industry here. So I'm very excited to un- to unpack his uh, you know I guess his method and pick his brain. It is our absolute pleasure to welcome Jeff Wilson to the show. Jeff, welcome to Equity Mates. Thanks, Bryce, and thanks, Ren. Uh, I, I've heard a lot about you guys too, so no, it's, it's mutual. It's mutual. <laughs> and, and to me, what you guys do is fantastic because. Um, yeah, in terms of investing in the market, the, the quicker and the earlier people can learn about it, you know, to me, the better. And, and you just put a, a great way of yeah, communicating to people. So congratulations. Thank you. Appreciate the comments. So for those of you who haven't come across Jeff before, Jeff is the Chairman and Chief Investment Officer at Wilson Asset Management. With over 41 years experience in investment markets, Jeff founded Wilson Asset Management in 1997 and currently oversees eight listed investment companies. Jeff has also led the creation of Australia's first listed philanthropic wealth creation vehicle, Future Generation Australia and Future Generation Global, which we'll be unpackling a little bit later. So look, a uh, a lot to chat about, but as always, we start with our overrated, underrated game. So let's get stuck in. That's right, Jeff. We'll uh, throw a few uh, themes, indexes out and just get your thoughts on whether they're overrated or underrated by the investing community um, at large. So we'll start at home and we'll start with our benchmark index. Uh, The ASX 200, overrated or underrated? Overrated. And why is that? Yeah, it's it's just an index. So it it gives you the average and and it's it's mainly... Um, you know, dominated by the big banks. So if you really want to perform, you know, it, it, if, you, if you take out the big banks and you're looking for growth companies you know, and you're a good investor, you should be able to do better than the um, all odds, I'd say. Uh, would the same answer then apply to the NASDAQ 100, overrated, underrated? 
Oh, I mean, I, can I can I do fairly rated? You can. Yeah, yeah, yes. Can. <laughs> is, that, is that a new category? <laughs> We've actually had someone from Vanguard on, and they said everything was fairly rated. Neutral, so, oh, yeah, neutral. <laughs> which geez, is very geez. on brand for them. I yeah, yeah, that's right. And I'm I'm not a believer in indexing, so yeah, so that's probably an error. The, I mean, yeah, so maybe maybe I'll say overrated. Just to um, you know, just had a phenomenal run. Yeah, obviously there's you know, there's a lot of risk in the market. Market and and there's a lot of you know, froth and bubble in the market and and and, that, and that's you know, mainly been yeah you know, with low interest rates the money's gone into you know, technology companies that that are that are showing growth great growth and mightn't have any you know, significant valuation uh, protection on the downside so I'd say overrated there. Well, speaking of froth and bubble, Jeff, uh, overrated or underrated Bitcoin. <laughs> Gross, can I put it grossly? Yeah, yeah grossly yeah, underrated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, grossly, grossly overrated. <laughs> Fair call. Yeah. Um, overrated or underrated? Full service brokers. Uh, full service brokers overrated. Yeah, everyone is a good investor, and, and they just need to spend the time, you know, doing the research and doing the analysis. And then finally, Jeff, uh, overrated or underrated Australian residential property? Oh, so difficult because yeah, I would say slightly. I, I would say overrated. It's just had again. It's just had a phenomenal run. Mm. But but unfortunately, with with these record low interest rates, all asset classes are probably more on the overrated side from my perspective. So let's start at the start before we get stuck into some uh, listed investment company discussion. We always love to hear the story of our guests' first investment, as there's probably a lesson or two to be learned. So, are you able to share with us the story of your first investment, Jeff? Yeah, and, and probably just before I go, you know, from the first company I bought shares in was the the first real company I was aware of. Uh, I, I grew up in Melbourne uh, in my you know, sort of mid-teens, and you know, my dad would work quite late. He'd come home, and after dinner, he'd always sit down and he'd read the paper, and he spent an enormous amount of time just looking at one page with a whole lot of numbers and everything on. And I remember saying to him, look, what are you looking at? And he said, oh, that's the, the stock market. So I remember looking down the list for something I could afford, and there was a little company called Cox Brothers. It was a retailer in Melbourne, and it was trading at half a cent. Jeez. And then, yeah, and then I thought, well, gee, I can afford that. <laughs> and then, then another time, yeah, I looked, yeah, you know, a few weeks later, it was at one cent, and I thought, geez, if I'd bought them at half a cent, I'd make a, I would have made a hundred percent on my money. Anyway, then a month or two later, I went looking for them, and I couldn't find them. And I said to Dad, "Where have they gone?" And he said, oh, the, the company's gone under. Uh, and, that, and that's probably why always, you know, in terms of retail, you know, I've sort of understood that retail is a very tough business. The first actual company I bought was a, a similar story to that. It was really not understanding that when you buy a company, you become a part owner of that company. Um, it was really just, just thinking about, you know, is there some leverage and can I make some money? And, and it was in the, you know, the, the late 70s, early 80s, Malcolm Fraser was in, and there was this talk about a resource boom, which n- never came then, but came you know, a, a few decades later. Uh, and I was looking down again for the cheapest company. I had a little bit of money, um, you know, thousand uh, dollars, and I and I found the cheapest company I could find was a company called Timor Oil and Gas, and they were trading at ten cents. So I you know bought a thousand dollars worth of those, and my logic was if they went to twelve cents. I'd make 20% of my money and I'd sell. 
and they actually went to 12 cents. I sold half of them and then they ended up going to the mid-30s and where I sold the other half. Now, I hadn't even done any research on it and and later I found out like they they were drilling, they were oil and gas company and they were drilling for oil. So that's why the share price went up. They didn't end up finding it. But, you know, I suppose that that was my first investment and just as a total novice knowing nothing about the market and and, and i lucked out um yeah so that that was the first stock i bought yeah since then i've learned that when you buy into a company you become a part owner of that company so you really should understand that you want to be a part owner of 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 whatever business you buy into but now timor oil and gas was it was my first uh stock that sort of blooded me. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, from there to now, you've had a, a pretty phenomenal career in um, in investment markets and finance. Uh, over that time, have you developed a personal investing philosophy? I tend to, I tend to like to be a bit counter-cyclical. Um, what I've always done is I've always backed management. You know, I, I believe it's – I suppose, you know, the people listening to you, um, you know, today are, are – they're backing you as as individuals um, and getting good guests on, and so they're backing you. Or if they anyone invests in any of our you know companies, any of the WAM companies, then they're backing myself and the people that manage the money. So when you buy shares in a company, you know, you're a part owner of that company, but it's so important the person that's managing that company for you. So yeah, management is incredibly important. I've also, you know, over a long period of time, you know, believe the greatest correlation between a share price and anything, you know, whether it's yield or asset backing or cash flow or return on equity, you know, all the studies I've shown, it tends to be earnings per share growth. So there's, you know, there's that strong correlation. So you, you want a company that's got growing earnings. And, and, and our sort of philosophy of how we invest our money is, buying undervalued growth companies, you know, so companies that are growing, earning strongly, and when we can see a catalyst is going to change the valuation of that company because uh, you know, you, companies can be cheap for a long time and if you, know, you really want to get the maximum bang for your buck, so you're better off sitting in cash until you can see something, you know, find a, a well-managed company you know, that's got you know, um, good earnings growth, but you've got to then identify if you want to get a, you know, sort of a better return than the average is identify what you believe is a catalyst or an event that changed the market's view of that company. And that's the catalyst. And that's, you know, it, it takes you, you know, a little bit of work and experience to get to that. Yeah. So Jeff Wilson Asset Management now uh, manages seven listed investment companies, soon to be eight, um, but we will touch on that in a second. Let's start with some basics. If retail investors want access to active managers, why listed investment companies over, say, unlisted managed funds or active ETFs? Yeah, I mean, the interesting thing, about 30-odd years ago, I saw a bit of research from uh, Morgan Stanley in the UK, which looked at you know, the listed investment company equivalents over there and looked at the performance of those um, and that their cl- closed-end pool of capital versus – you know, the, the normal managed funds like the, the mutual funds over there, which is an open-ended pool of capital. Uh, and, and what it showed is the listed investment company equivalents had outperformed 
the the normal uh, funds by one and a half to two percent per annum over a fifty year period, and and that is that is that is significant outperformance. Now, why did that happen? Is because what the the average investor that invests in the stock market gets about half of the market's performance. You know, say if the market on average you know does about ten percent per annum, then the average investor I think makes it about five percent per annum. Because the average investor unfortunately gets caught up with his emotions. And, and and the toughest thing about investing in the market is you've got to work against your emotions. Uh, you know, so the average investor will be buying towards the top and will be selling you know, towards the bottom when they're scared. Uh, and, and what happens is also money that flows into managed funds, you know, obviously the most of the money flows in when things are really good. And, you know, say when, you know, during the GFC or, you know, when, when there's a, a big dislocation in the market, then the money will be, everyone want, want cash and they'll be pulling the money out. So therefore, if you're a fund manager and you've got an open-ended pool of capital, you're a forced buyer, when everything's expensive, and you're selling when everything's cheap, um, and and the great thing about a listed investment company is, you know, you raise money. Say, you know, with um, Wham Strategic Value, we're going to raise two hundred twenty-five million, not a cent more, uh, and, and that's what we'll be managing. So, when everything's going well and money's flowing into the market, you know, we're never forced to buy. We can take a medium long-term view. When things are bad and money's flowing out, we're never forced to sell anything. So, you know, we can really pick up, you know, pick the eyes out of the market and pick up some great uh, value. So that, that's why I like the listed investment company structure. Also, you know, so in theory, I think there's a, a natural competitive advantage. Also, you know, there is, um, you do have access to the board and, and the management and you can give them a, a hard time if you want it. You know, it, it can be very public. A, and also what I like is that they can trade at discounts uh, to the value of the assets, you know, or discounts to, we call it NTA, you know, what the net tangible assets of the company are, or at premium. So, yeah, and that is, to me, it's nearly unbelievable that I can manage a pool of capital and I know it's worth a dollar and I can buy it for 80 cents. Or at other points in time, um, yeah, I know it's worth a dollar and it could be traded a dollar twenty. So, of course, I'd be a seller. If it's if it's doing that, so that's why I like. Yeah, you know, so it's really it's really to me an ETF is great for people starting off, um, and then I think you know you can layer on you know, listed investment companies if if you just want a, a broad exposure to the market with your ETFs and your listed investment companies. Yeah, you know, your skill levels going up when you add listed investment companies, and then if you want to you know, take a greater risk, yeah, you know, then you do your analysis on individual companies and decide. You know, whether you want to buy shares in Coles or Woolworths or one of the banks or you know, some of the technology companies, etc. Mm. Now, Jeff, you mentioned the strategic value LIC. We'll get to that in a second. Um, before then, we want to talk about how you, uh, I guess, really started the movement in Australia to use listed investment companies to further philanthropic causes. Um, so for people who are unfamiliar uh, with the future generation Australia LIC and the global LIC. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about um, what they do and how they use that LIC structure to further these causes? Yeah, I mean, first off, I saw this done in the UK uh, and I just thought, what a phenomenal model. And so what it is, 
It's a listed investment company that's listed on the stock market. You know, the, the two that we've set up, you know, as you said, uh, they're codes. One's FTX and the other's FTG. FTX is the Australian. You, know, you get exposure to the Australian stock market. FTG, you get exposure to the global stock markets. Uh, and, and what it is, effectively, it's a, a real relationship between the investing community um, and that investment community giving back to society. And so all the fund managers that we've tapped on the shoulder in FGX, that's the Australian fund managers or FGG, the global fund managers, uh, we're allowed to put our money with those fund managers in their main funds and they don't charge any performance fees or any management fees. So they're managing the money pro bono, but it's in their main fund, which they live or die by the performance. Um, and that allows both companies you know, to give away 1% of the assets to charities, and that's focusing at children at risk and youth mental health. So both companies together are a little over a billion dollars, so it's about $11 million a year. You know, because the fund managers are doing all this pro bono, we can uh, give to those two areas. So um, they're fantastic. And if you look at them, you know, the performance of the underlying managers are first class. The, the managers we've gone for are boutique, uh, which which they call you know, boutique managers, um, and and they are and they are they are people that have really set up the funds themselves, and again they live or die by their performance. And you find I find that a boutique fund manager will outperform like it's a big name fund manager um, because they've really got you know everything on the line. It is. It's a pretty incredible thing uh, what you're doing, uh, Jeff. Um, people should definitely check those those two LICs out: Future Generation Australia and Future Generation Global. Um, some some people in the community may also be fil- familiar with the Hearts and Minds LIC, which is doing a similar thing using this LIC structure to further philanthropic causes. So it's pretty cool um, what what both you and the Hearts and Minds guys are doing. And the Hearts and Minds, like it's a great. Pro- I'm actually on the board of Hearts and Minds as well. <laughs> oh, <nice. laughs> well, well, because yeah, I know the listed investment company, yeah, uh, market incredibly well, and and when Matthew grounds and and Gary Weiss were putting it together, they asked if I'd wanted to be involved. And and again, yeah, the Hearts and Minds, yeah, is a great product, and that is, yeah, very similar, yeah, you know, sim- similar concept, similar philosophy. Um, you know, really, you know, giving the money to uh, medical research, that, that's the area it's focusing on, you know, giving the money back to. And, and uh, there are similar, num- you know, some of those fund managers that are managing the money for hearts and minds are also managing the money for FGX and FGG. They're all great companies. And, and really, again, you just do your analysis, you know, see what the you know, value of the assets are. And if you can buy those value of the assets you know, below their current value, then that's a good deal. And, and the, luckily, the the two future generation ones are actually trading at sort of eight and twelve percent discounts to their NTA. So you're getting, you know, in theory, they're on sale um, at the moment. Mm. Now, Jeff, we've we've talked about this discount to uh, NTA a little bit, which I think leads us nicely into this new LIC that Wilson's about to launch. Um, but look, before before we uh, touch on that, uh, we are going to take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? 
For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. So Jeff, uh, as I mentioned before the break, uh, Wilson Asset Management are launching a new LIC, uh, the Strategic Value LIC, ASX Ticker War which I like, that, that feels like it's sending a message uh, with, with that. Um, and, and really the, I guess the problem that it's declaring war on is a lot of these listed investment companies that uh, traded a discount to their net tangible asset value. Now for people who are sort of new to this problem, um, let's start by defining this, this problem and then we can talk about how you're working to solve it. So why is an LIC trading at a discount a problem for investors? The, the the LIC trading at a discount, it, it, say, say if an LIC uh, floats at a dollar, has a dollar of assets, and then the share price, you know, because there's more selling than buying, and and, and as you know, Warren Buffett says, you know, the market's a weighing machine, so you know, the value of the company's a dollar, but it, say it's trading at 90 cents, you know, then if you paid a dollar, even though there's an asset, the assets are worth a dollar, but when you look up the share price, it's 90 cents. You don't feel as though you've got a dollar of value. You, know, you feel as though you've got a 90 cents of value. And if you if you have to sell, then even though the assets are worth a dollar, you're only going to get 90 cents. So that's that's sort of the that, – that's why it's a concern for some people. Uh, from my perspective is, you know, as, as I'm, a, I'm a buyer of uh, listed investment companies – I actually think it just is a great opportunity. You actually want them, you know, these companies trading at discounts uh, to asset backing, um, you know, because it provides you're getting you're getting exposure, a dollar of exposure to the market, and you're only paying ninety cents for it. If it's trading at a twenty percent discount, you're only paying eighty cents. So, to me, it's nearly it's nearly too good to be true. Um, now, what happens is a lot of fund managers when they you know, raise money for a listed investment company, they mightn't have had a, a lot of experience in having a, a, a listed investment company, having a lot of shareholders, um, you know, a lot of retail shareholders, and understanding how to communicate with them uh, and how to inform those shareholders. Um, and a lot of fund managers, when they raise the money, they actually think you know, the day that it lists on the stock market is that won the grand final. Now, from, a, from our perspective... Yeah, it's when you list on the stock market, that's the end of pre-season training. 
and, and then a lot of the hard work begins. Now, now what's important, if you're looking at to invest in a listed investment company, what should you look for? You should look for the underlying performance of the manager. You need to look at, um, because the a lot of people buying these are self-managed super funds, so they're looking for the dividend stream. So you want a growing stream of fully frank dividends. The fourth thing, the third thing you want, sorry, is you want um, a, a a company and a board that looks after shareholders. Like some companies, unfortunately, do things that destroy value for shareholders, like doing placements at discounts and you know, taking money from the current shareholders and giving it to the new shareholders. So you, they've got to look after shareholders. And the fourth thing, and this is the part that most um, fund managers miss out on, is you really have to have a detailed shareholder engagement, um, communication, a- and marketing. Um, and, and that's, I mean, that's where you guys, you know, potentially fit in. Um, yeah, so you, you really, you, you, you need to do that. And a lot of fund managers don't do that. Like we've, we manage, as you said, seven listed investment companies, soon to be eight. We've got 100,000 uh, retail investors in our listed investment companies. Um, yeah, we've got emails for 60,000 of them. Uh, and also, um, you know, we, and we're managing about $4.5 billion. Um, so it's very important for us, you know, to communicate clearly with those shareholders so they know what we're doing, you know, keep them informed. Uh, and, and what that does do, it actually swings the equilibrium from, you know, potent, you know trading at a discount, you know, to potentially NTA or a premium. And the interesting thing is, the six listed investment companies that we floated, you know, Wham Capital being the first one, all six of them are trading at NTA, if not a premium. And, and you know, the, the concerning thing, for, well, to an extent is, um, you know, for the people that are buying it, like one of them uh, called Wham Research is trading at, at 42% above the NTA. So effectively, there's a dollar of assets and it's trading at $1.42. So that's that is definitely not on sale. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, look, if there are any LIC managers out there that want some uh, investor relations help, uh, we are the podcast <laughs> to do it. <laughs> no, you are, you are. No, no, you are. No. To me, to me, you guys have got a great niche, and and, and to me, you guys, you're, you're plugged in to the big growth area, uh, and yeah, like they. they I should pay attention. <laughs> well, I'm actually so glad that you mentioned the marketing piece because I've often spoken to Ren about, you know, I've held LICs throughout my investing journey. And if you look under the hood, you know, those those initial things that you spoke about, quality of manager, are they paying a dividend, you know, all of those things tick the boxes, yet they're hidden in a basement, you know, in a far city and no one knows about them. But unfortunately, you know, given that they're listed on the stock market and at mercy of supply and demand and that sort of stuff, you know, if no one knows about the stock, then they're always just going to be ticking away. So I think for me, that's one of the most important things when you're looking for LIC is how good are they at putting themselves out there and making people aware of what they're doing. Correct. And and it's a new skill for the fund manager, you know, because he's, yeah, the, the, uh, I think there was an article probably 20 years ago in you know, the newspaper in the US called Barron's, and uh, and I think the headline was, um, yeah, uh, what was it? It was, um, yeah, picking stocks is a very lonely business. Yeah, you know, doing your research, et cetera, et cetera, and it said funds management is all about marketing, uh, and and it's really yeah you know, to get 
you know, that, as you, the reason why you're obviously talking about LICs and being at a discount, there's been quite a bit of conversations in the press over the last year or so about a number of them, you know, trading at discounts. Uh, and, and these managers, they can't, they've got to realise once they have an LIC, they're in a new world um, and they can't just sit in their offices and do their research and pick stocks and just perform. They've also got to communicate, as you said, you know, Bryce, really clearly you know, to their current shareholders but also potential shareholders about what the opportunities are. Yeah, and I think that's where they miss out. So, yeah, to me, you guys are, you guys are perfectly positioned to benefit from that. Well, if you want if you want us to come and be consultants for the new LIC, <laughs> Jeff happy does a to really have that good conversation. Job. <laughs> <laughs> when I, well, no, I mean, to me, I mean, we can talk about Worm Strategic, but when we talk about it, it'll it'll be clear that you guys could have a role to play. <laughs> <laughs> well, let, let's talk about it because um, we the first the first we heard about it, I think, was the, about the stock ticker, and you know the press obviously had a field day because the stock ticker was war. Um, so maybe uh, for those who haven't read anything about it, can you tell us uh, what the what the purpose of the fund is, um, and then how how you're planning to, I guess, achieve that uh, with some of the LICs that you're targeting? Yeah. So, so it's called WAM Strategic Value, uh, and and what the focus of this fund is is really to invest in undervalued assets, uh, and mainly focusing on listed investment companies or listed investment trusts, uh, and, and it's really to buy a dollar of assets for eighty cents. Now, I, I personally have been doing it for forty odd years doing that. Yeah, as Wilson Asset Management, I've been doing it for you know, twenty two years, uh, and what we thought is. Um, that, that we would simplify our business. Currently, we we do this. You know, we've got $150 million of exposure to 16 listed investment companies that are trading at discounts, but we do it in a, a various funds. So what we're going to do is effectively sell them across to the new company. Um, yeah, I mentioned earlier we're going to raise 225 mil, um, and with that new company, that will be focused on buying – yeah, you know, a dollar of assets for eighty eighty cents, and it'll it'll but it'll only buy them when, yeah, you know, when I I'm going to be the lead portfolio manager, um, when I believe that there's a catalyst that's going to change that valuation, and and as you know, as you were sort of talking about before, you can actually have a situation where, um, yeah, you know, these companies, yeah, you know, if if they're just left and the manager just manages the money and doesn't worry about communicating or shelter engagement, they could just trade at a discount for a long period of time. Um, so how do, how do we do that? Yeah, I mean, I've been, I, I would say I probably know as much about listed investment companies as any other um, person in the market. Uh, yeah, we, we've been able to successfully um, uh, get ours to premiums. Um, and and how, how do we get that is really, the four things I was talking about before, uh, and really, yeah, how I see it is, you know, we will take positions in other listed investment companies trading at discounts that we believe can get to NTA, and we really want it more as a partnership to walk work with them uh, and get it to NTA. Or you know, it could be a little bit like, you know, we're the jockey on a horse, um, and you know, we're you know we're riding it you know to win the race. Uh, you know, occasionally we might have to get the whip out and give them a, a bit of a whip. 
um, or, or you know, like with with these guys, you know, we're we're happy to clearly explain what we do and let them see exactly what we do, um, and, and that's sort of the carrot side. And then if they do it, then they will achieve their goal eventually, and we will, and we'll be able to sell out at NTA, if not a premium. Um, and if they don't, then we'll have to get the stick a bit. So, um, and and the, the, the interesting thing about the, the code is it, it, it probably sounds a bit, a bit aggressive. Um, you know, so we see it more as a partnership, but we are happy yeah, if we need to, uh, to go to war. Uh, and there's been, um, yeah, we've actually made takeover bids for you know, five listed investment companies that uh, unfortunately, you know, we might have used a carrot on them and then we had to use a bit of stick and then we realised we had to use a lot of stick. Um, so for us as investors, you know, we're, it's, it's really a simple play for us because we're buying a dollar of assets for 80 cents. Uh, and we if, if we can keep buying till we own one hundred percent of the company, um, if we can buy it that cheaply, uh, if they can't get it to NTA, ideally for us, you know, I think the li- listed investment company space is fantastic. I want it to continue to grow and prosper. Um, and ideally for us is these, you know, the people we identify, we buy shares in, they're trading at a discount, they get it to NTA, yeah, we sell out. Then they might take their eye off the ball, or something happens. They go to a discount again, um, and um, yeah, and, and we we get another opportunity. What will be really interesting is if you if you have a lot of success early days with this and close some discounts for LICs, and the market recognises that. Then whenever you take a position in an LIC, the market might be like, oh, Wilson's here. They're about to close the discount. And the market might be like, well, you're in and close the discount for you. It could become a bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy. You've just revealed his strategy. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. There, there, there is a bit of that. There, and, and there is a bit of that. And maybe that was a little bit also, you know, when we had choices for the, you know, what ticker do we use, what ASX ticker, that was, we thought, oh, look, maybe, even though how, how we want to operate, is like we've always operated, and and that's you know, effectively work with the company and you know, companies we own shares in. You know, if you look at the prospectus, we use various examples. You know, one that's listed at the moment, Templeton Global. We own fourteen percent of that. It's trading at about a ten percent discount to NTA. We started buying at a eighteen percent discount to NTA, um, and, and we'd been communicating with them over you know, four or five years. And the latter part of last year, they said, "Look, they're going to review their capital structure." So. You know, something will happen there. There'll be a catalyst to give people liquidity at, at a at a fair price. Um, so yeah, it, it, yeah. When we did put, you know, decide on war of the code, you know, war is the code. Then we thought, you know, with a bit of luck, it'll yeah, you know, it could be a bit self fulfilling. Uh, but we don't want to. The good thing is, you know, the market always provides opportunity. So you know, we don't want the market to be too efficient. And and <laughs> yeah, you know, we've. We, we, uh, and and Ren, Ren and Bryce, we've all been around long enough to know the market is never too efficient. Mm, yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, looking forward to seeing how this all plays out. Uh, the ASX ticker is WAR, W-A-R, for those listening at home who would like to also follow along. So, Jeff, you've been involved in a lot of advocacy and public policy work for shareholders, noticeably the franking credit campaign and uh, virtual AGMs, which uh, we love. What do you believe is the biggest hurdle, though, that investors are currently facing in Australia? Thanks for the question, Bryce. And I don't know if I'd actually call it the biggest hurdle, 
but it's really something that we're very passionate about at the moment, and we've actually been passionate about this for a number of years. We put uh, uh, we put a number of submissions to the government, and, and that is really about levelling the playing field between uh, wholesale or institutional investors and retail investors. You know, to me, it's it's not fair that a company can raise money in a placement at a discount to NTA, um, and you've got to be a, a sophisticated investor to participate. If you're not that, you know, then you can't participate on putting money in and cheaply. Um, but then when the shares come back on trading that afternoon or the next day, you can buy shares on market. And it's just totally illogical. Uh, you know, uh, Andrew Bragg, who's, you know, was back page of the Fin Review today in the Chanticleer column, um, yeah, he, he he had an inquiry recently which we put a submission in there and we gave evidence. Uh, and so we really hope uh, he is yeah, he's listening to us um, and we really hope there's an opportunity to level that playing field. So every retail investor, it's you can do – every retail investor in New Zealand has the same rights as a wholesale investor, uh, but for some reason in Australia – the retail investors seen as a, as a second class citizen. Now, yeah, it's it's in our interests. You know, as in fund managers, we get a benefit being the wholesale investor. But but everyone who supports us, you know, the hundred thousand shareholders, they're the retail investors. So for us, is you know, we're standing up for them. And um, yeah, you know, I, I really hope that yeah, you know, the the government does um, you know, make changes and does level that playing field. Yeah, we, we love that, Jeff. Uh, obviously, Equity Mates is made up of a, a big community of retail investors, so we appreciate you standing up for us. And I, I don't want this to just be a, a Bryce and Alec lobbying Jeff uh, to get <laughs> Equity Mates involved, but uh, you know, uh, if you ever want to you know, help get more retail participation in capital raisings, come yes. to us and we'll get the yeah. community involved. <laughs> Dream come true. <laughs> no, no, I, well, I, well, I, good, good work, boys, but, and, and just so... So you're aware, yeah, you know, we we're talking about war earlier. The 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 issue, um, the, the IPO opens on Monday. So if anyone wants to go to the Wilson Asset Management website, then yeah, you know, then if they want to apply for you know, you know some shares, then they can. Yeah, you know, so they've got three weeks to apply. So um, yeah, right. No, just a bit of free marketing in that side too. No, that's nice. great. That's great. Yeah. Um, now, uh, another another question that we do like to ask all of our experts, you know, we, we, we've spoken to a number now on the show and everyone, a lot of people stress the importance of management. And for retail investors, it's really hard to, I guess, get a gauge of management. Um, you know, we don't, we don't get to go to these company boardrooms, look the CEO in the eye and ask them the hard questions. Um, so we'd love to uh, get your thoughts on company management. Um, what what are some of the most important qualities you see in leaders that make them successful? Um, and I guess then the companies they run successful. And as retail investors like Bryce and I, what should we be looking for um, in, you know, in, I guess, public statements and press releases and stuff like that to get a gauge of who's a good manager and who's maybe not so good? You're really making an assessment of that individual uh, and how, how can you assess them? It's really you know, whether they meet or exceed your expectations um, and, and it's really you know, having a view on, you know, as you said, read the announcements, read the annual report, see what the managing director is saying and see whether he 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 achieves you know, meets or exceeds those expectations. 
listen to the AGMs you know, and, and potentially attend them if, if you can. That's why we were very, um, you know, very vocal when they were, you know, when they were effectively, you know, the government was ta- or Treasury was talking about just having virtual AGMs. Now, I know virtual AGMs are fantastic because it gives everyone access, and I agree with that happening, but you also need to have a physical presence because otherwise, you know, the management, they can cleanse the questions so they can only answer the questions they want to answer, and you want to be able to put them under pressure and see how they perform. I'd also, you know, I would read, you know, the effectively the more the gossip column areas because they're the ones that really you know, like dig in deep in terms of you know, what um, you know, management may be doing or may not be doing. And so you can take an assessment um, from that. And also, to me, it's very important that people have skin in the game. So yeah, you, you, you re- if, you, if, if someone's managing a company on your behalf, you, know, you want them to have you know, a decent amount of their wealth invested in that company. So to me, you know, you look at, you know, there's some various things you look at. So um, Jeff, before we just briefly chat about a stock that is on your watch list, we will quickly hear from our sponsors. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Before Shopify, were you wondering, where my sales at? Now you're selling with Shopify, the global commerce platform supercharging your selling. You have no problem selling online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Gary, easy on the cha-ching. <clears throat> oh, sorry, but my Shopify sales are through the roof. Start selling with Shopify today and discover how millions of businesses around the world use Shopify to ignite their selling. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Shopify.com slash listen. So Jeff, we'd love to, uh, we'd love to chat to you about a stock or an idea or an industry or even an LIC that uh, you're particularly excited about or is on your watch list at the moment. So um, is there one that you'd be happy to talk about? 
Well, well, there's a couple, and, and yeah, that, that we think that I think are cheap. Um, and and you know, because we're talking about war, and we're talking about listed investment companies, and you know, why don't you know, chat about a couple of those? Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, one is there's a listed investment company, what uh, um, Thorny Opportunities. You now that you know the code's top. That's um, managed by Alex Waitsless. You know, very successful. Uh, you know, billionaire. Um, and that is it's performed exceptionally well. It's trading at a, a significant discount. It's twenty percent plus. So you're buying a dollar of assets for yeah less than eighty cents. Um, the question is, what is the catalyst that's going to um, that will will get that share price yeah, move it up from that less than eighty cents to to a dollar? And, and that's the harder part because. Yeah, the question is, it's really how committed you know, Alex and his team are to you know, engage with shareholders. You know, they're doing a fantastic job as investing, um, but how quickly that discount narrows is really how quickly you know, they they communicate with shareholders, they rust on their current shareholders, they tighten up the register, and the share price moves to NTA. Now, that will happen over time. You know, assuming they continue to perform as they have. Um, so if you've got a medium long-term view, to me, I think that's a great buy. Um, more more short-term, the question is, you know, how committed is Alex to do doing that? Um, and, hey, I was meant to catch up with him a couple of weeks ago. I missed him. Yeah, but, I, I, yeah, that's 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 the million-dollar question. Um now, I, he, I'm sure he'd like it trading at NTA if not a premium. Gives everyone more flexibility. Um, uh, but, yeah, you know, and I'm sure he'll get there, but it'll, it'll, it could just be take a little bit of time. The, the other one is um, is another LIC, uh, LSF. That's L1. Uh, it's trading at about a 15% discount, so you're buying a dollar of assets for 85 uh, cents. They are they are like a, 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 a one a one thirty thirty fund manager, so they they can be long and they can be short. So there's there's a little bit more risk in that, um, but they um, yeah. You know, to me, they're they're doing a lot of the right things. You know, I, I was speaking to Rafi Lamb, you know, one of the managers a, a, a week or so ago. Um, they have been buying back shares, which you know, the retail investor tends not to like that because they think the manager doesn't know. What to buy, but it's but it's it's logical from a capital management perspective. Um, you know, if you buy a dollar of assets for eighty five cents, that make that's logical. Um, and and I I was saying to them, look, you really got to they've got a really good profit reserve. And I said, you really got to push the dividend a lot harder. Um, yeah, you know, we we have a we have small positions in in our licks in both those. Um, why don't we have bigger positions? It's probably because we're not sure about the timing for top, you know, when the discount will close. So if you're taking a long-term view, then don't worry about that. And also for L1 is they did have a pretty tough year a couple of years ago, and and they and they have had a really good period over the last 12 months. And so you know, they're really a, a, a high beta manager, you know, so they can go exceptionally well, but then they can mean revert and not, not go as well. So... Yeah, if if it was a bigger discount, um, and to me there is a reasonable amount of um, you know, froth and bubble in the market. Yeah, you know, so if the market, you know, the market could come off a little bit. Um, so 
Now, we've got a little bit of position there. You know, when, when we're more convinced they're going to push the dividend harder, then, of course, we'd increase our position because then if they did push the dividend harder, I'm, I'm pretty sure they'll get to NTA a lot quicker. Yeah, yeah. Nice. No, I like that. So, Jeff, uh, we've got – we first of all want to thank you for taking the time uh, to talk to us. Um, we do have a final, final three questions that we like to – uh, finish all the interviews with, but before we do, yeah, just a massive thank you. Um, it, it's pretty exciting for Bryce and I to get to speak to you, and um, you know we're very excited to see the launch of the eighth LIC, the Strategic Value LIC. If people want to follow, or like hear more about you or follow you online, is there anywhere in particular they should be going? Uh, well, well, yeah, it's, it's the Wilson Asset Management. Um, you know, .com.au is our website and, and we do weekly emails you know as I think I might have mentioned earlier we've got about 60,000 people on that email uh, list so you know we do weekly emails communicating with people and and then if there's anything relevant about you know, WAM strategic etc you know we, we try to communicate um, as, as you know we try to be the sort of the gold standard with communicating with shareholders. So, yeah, if I just just sign up for the emails. Great. So we'll get stuck into these final three questions. The first one is, uh, do you have any books that you consider must-reads? Well, one of the books I love, and and it it is a bit old now, is the Peter Lynch book, One Up on Wall Street. Mm, Great book. To me, yeah, it just talks about, you know, the competitive advantage that everyone's got. And and it was funny (laughs) – I was giving blood uh, a number of years ago, uh, and the lady who was taking it said, "Oh, look, um, you know, you know, why were you, you know, what, what area do you work in?" And I said, oh, "I'm a fund manager." And she said, "Oh, you know, I, I invest in the stock market. So I know nothing about the stock market." And I said, "Oh, who do you work for?" And she said, "Oh, Sonic Healthcare." And I said, "Well, what you actually—that's listed on the stock market. You know more about Sonic and man- their management than I do." And I said, you know, what do you think of their management? She was just saying they're exceptional. So, like, everyone's got their own little competitive advantage. And it's really, you know, particularly as, as you said, you know, the, you know, the millennials these days, you know, they know you, you guys You guys think a certain way. You know, I'm, I'm thinking in the baby boomer way. So, you know, you, 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 you guys have got a significant competitive advantage. Um, and, you know, particularly things like with Afterpay, which has been a great success now, but in the early days, you, know, you guys would have seen it, thought, oh, hey, look, this is really going to take off. Uh, and, and yeah, it's trying to use that competitive advantage. Yeah, I, I do like that book. I mean, you, all, all the Buffett books, you know, the, you know snowballing or, you know, I mean, the, all those, you know, all the historic investment books, that, you know, they're all, they're all good value. Yeah. Mm. So the second question is, in 60 seconds or less, what's the best company you've ever come across? Yeah, I actually think it's the you know the the Australian Securities Exchange, the ASX. <laughs> nice. Well, it, to me, it's just it's like in theory. I know it's not a monopoly, but it's pretty close to a monopoly. Um, yeah, volumes go grow at well and truly in excess of GDP growth uh, each year, uh, and, and like it's just like a, a money printing machine. <laughs> that's that's um, what I think. Yeah, yeah, it's the ASX. Yeah, great. And then final question, if you if you think back to your younger self, you know, buying that first share in Timor Oil and Gas, uh, what advice would you give your younger self? 
Well, well, yeah, I'd say don't buy, don't buy that. (laughs) (laughs) I'd say like do some research, yeah, and and don't like sort of just get a dart and throw it at the board, which I did. Yeah, and find a company that you think will grow over time, uh, and 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 actually commit capital on a regular basis. I think one of the things that I yeah I should have done um, was commit invest in the market over time and then you get that benefit. Yeah, we all know Warren Buffett you know, talks about you know, the benefit of compounding. And and the reason he's worth what he is is he started with a small amount of money in nineteen sixty five uh, and it's and it's worth billions of dollars because it's just grown at you know eighteen percent per annum <laughs> over that period of time. So if you know to me, you know that that's that's effectively the advice from my younger self. Nice. Well, great way to end there, Jeff. Um, as Alex said, a massive thank you for your time on Equity Mates today. Um, a reminder, WAR, W-A-R, is a ticker for uh, the new LIC coming. But look, we really appreciate what you're trying to do for retail investors and uh, the lobbying and advocacy work that you're you're doing out there. And, you know, it's similar to what we are trying to do here at Equity Mates on a much smaller scale. We so. don't quite have a lobbyist yet, but maybe one Maybe one day. <laughs> hey, hey, I think I think it is, and, and to me, like it's amazing. Yeah, you know, like together, yeah, you know, what we can achieve. So, um, yeah, don't worry. Yeah, you know, we'll we'll be we'll be finding you next time. Yeah, you know, like in terms of <laughs> yeah, you know, with franking credits. Yeah, you know, of course. Yeah, you know, that was a big yeah you know, a big um you know, strategy for us is just trying to yeah you know, be be fair and equitable to everyone. Um, on that, and uh, it, it, you guys are beautifully positioned in a fantastic um, in a fantastic uh, niche, um, or not a, not actually niche, a, a fantastic segment of the market. Uh, and, and yeah, we, we well, well and truly may use, you know, may call out for you guys to use your muscle <laughs> you know, to no, no, to put pressure um, on you know, whether we need the pressure on Senator Bragg and that to get the result to make it fair for everyone. So look, thank you for you know, putting your hand up for that. Well, let's go hard at the capital raising side of things. I reckon that's where we, we'll be able to, well, that's what I'm passionate about anyway, but yeah. anyway. Excellent. No, that's it. That's, that's, that's to me, that's, that's what we're focused on. So yeah. Nice. Well, our people, our people will be talking to your people soon. Well, <laughs> perfect, because we have heaps of people in the team. <laughs> no, Jeff. Look, uh, appreciate your time, and uh, as always, always, you know, welcome back on the show. So, uh, have a good evening. Right. We'll talk later. Thanks, thanks, guys. Equity Mates Investing Podcast is a product of Equity Mates Media. All information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. It is not intended as a substitute for professional finance, legal, or tax advice. The hosts of Equity Mates Investing Podcast are not financial professionals and are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from a podcast. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the Equitymates website where you can find ASIC resources and find a registered financial professional near you. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media and the hosts of Equitymates Investing Podcast acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. 
We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today.